Inside all things Valor Fights. And a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, joined by my co-host, Justin Watson. We're coming off of UFC's return to Las Vegas. We're going to recap that show this evening as well as look ahead to this weekend's Las Vegas UFC show. And we're going to have a look at the Bellator uh, event as well as some uh, Valor news. I got some uh, announcements for you guys here this evening. Uh, We'll get into that here at the beginning. Justin, uh, how's it going, man? How's your week? Good, man. Looking forward to hearing your Valor news. Yeah, it's, it's it's some good shit, man. We've got uh, – I'll make uh, – let's go ahead and just get to that right away, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, and knock that out right off the top here. We've got the uh, return to Chattanooga, as we have been talking about in the uh, previous weeks. Of course, first, we'll be back at the Joe for September the 4th, the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. Friday, September the 4th will be our return there. And then um, one week later, Saturday, September the 12th, we'll be at the Camp Jordan Arena in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Eastridge, uh, to be exact. And uh, I can announce that our main event is going to be a good one. We're going to have two uh, main event and co-main event uh, title fights up for grabs. The co-main event, we'll do that first. That's going to be the vacant Valor 135 title, which uh, you know Cody Durden just got called up to the UFC. So congrats to him. We'd like to see... Uh, you know, as many of our champions as we can get called up at the UFC. That leaves an opening, though, and it was it will be filled between uh, KMAA's James Adcock, who's on a four-fight winning streak, seven and three, taking on the undefeated Jeremy Mitchell from West Virginia. Uh, he's fought for us a couple times as an amateur, very skilled young man. He's undefeated in his pro career uh, at two and zero at the moment, and so uh, he he and James will make a, a great co-main event. Excited for that, and then our main event. Our welterweight championship on the line is also vacant, and that's going to be a good one, man. we got two uh, fan favorites going head-to-head. Greg Hopkins, our uh, our, our sometimes uh, third wheel on here on the Valor Hour, will be uh, fighting at home, putting his undefeated record on the line against KMAA's Asian persuasion, Jason King, and that is going to be a barn burner. Super excited for that. Two five-round fights. Uh, your early thoughts on those, Justin? The bantamweight fight's going to be awesome, man. Adcock's, you know, he's been around for a long time. He's experienced, um, you know, and, and fighting a guy who's, you know, hasn't seen much adversity yet as a pro. Um, so kind of get to see what he's made out of. Um, the main event, I, I don't know where that one came from. That, that one came out of left field, but uh, that's going to be a crazy fight, man. Definitely a clash of styles in that main event. You know, you've got uh, the uh, the technique and the, the 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 flashy striking and just the all around uh, skill of Jason King taking on that that grit uh, the wrestling ability and just the hard nosed uh, you know approach of Greg Hopkins and you know being in Greg's hometown I think I put some pressure on him to perform but also I think it'll give a little motivation to you know kind of make sure he doesn't have a letdown at home you know yeah it's a big fight man um, you know Jason King's you know we just saw him on Bellator not long ago he's been doing this for a long time and. Uh, he, he brings a, a very unique style um, that's not easy to deal with. Absolutely, man. Let's jump into uh, the meat of today's show. Uh, just so you know, the tickets will go on sale. for bo- uh, They're on sale for both shows now at fighterticks.com. That's ticks with an X. And, uh, you know, we'll be announcing more and more fights in the coming weeks. Both of those cards are going to be loaded. I mean, absolutely stacked. 
Let's get into uh, what we had this past weekend, man. We had um, the UFC uh, returning from uh, Fight Island to Las Vegas, and it seems like maybe they had a better thing going at Fight Island because we didn't. It didn't seem like we lost as many fights as we lost on this one. This card took a beating. Went from eleven fights or maybe even twelve fights. I think it was eleven fights. So we ended up with eight when it was all said and done with a lot of changes. Let's go ahead and run through it. Main event was uh, a middleweight clash with Derek Brunson knocking off Edmund Shabazian with a third round TKO. Um, I was wrong on that when I was on Shabazian. Gave up a lot of chalk on it, a lot of juice, and it was uh, about the second round. I started figuring out that that wasn't going to be a good a good move. Uh, Derek Brunson just. Uh, too too salty, man. You know he's just he. You know, in hindsight, I these are things that we talk about all the time. Where you know the the younger, more inexperienced, flashy prospect hasn't been really tested yet. Uh, takes that step up, and uh, you know they're highly favored, and uh, they get knocked off because they just haven't met that adversity yet. Where Derek Brunson's been in there with the very best in the world. Your thoughts on this main event? It was a wild one, man. You know. Being a main event, normally that's five rounds, um, and they opted to go three on this one. Apparently, Shabazian wanted five, but um, Brunson didn't. But five would have been terrible for Shabazian. I mean, you know, obviously he didn't make it to three, so I don't know why he would have thought he could have made it five. But I think it came down to a couple of things. Probably a, he had a massive adrenaline dump, I think, after the first round. He's been getting everybody out of there. You know, his last three or four fights, he's gotten them out in the first round, and he threw some big, big shots and you know, had Brunson on his back feet a couple times, and um, but you know just couldn't seal the deal. And then in the second round, he you know he started the second round out decently strong, um, but then you know towards the end of the round, at, at the end of the round, he was just eating massive shots and definitely could have been stopped. I think um, you know before they started the third round, there was some weird doctor stuff. You know, after the fight, um, but they had a close eye on him. You know, I think. He still wanted to go. They thought he was okay, but as soon as he got hit the first time in the in the third round, you know, he kind of just slumped over into the fetal position, and um, Herb Dean just you know immediately was on top of it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know that, that's what happens when you when you step up and start going against the big dogs. You know, you have to be able to continue keep that pace going. And you know, had he can, had he been able to keep keep that pace, he was probably you know won the first round um, and. But he, he just lost it, lost all of his gas, and Brunson, you know, saved his, I think, for the for the latter part of the fight, and um, it paid off for him. But he was landing some nasty ground and pound, man. He was getting he was getting hit hard on the bottom. Well, you know, uh, I will agree with you. I thought that Shabazzian went great in the first round, likely banked that one. Second round was doing pretty good, was spinning off the takedowns through the first few rounds until finally Brunson broke through with one. And it was odd. It, to me, it, it almost looked like Shabazian knew that, that w- we were on short time. We were only down to like 20 seconds left in the round. And it was almost like he started to kind of like cruise through those last few seconds of the round, thinking that he would just kind of, you know, end the round on bottom and, and chalk it up and start a third round fresh. But then like Brunson started hammering him with some, some big elbows and, and it obviously was affecting him. And it, to me, it just seemed like right before that, Shabazian kind of clocked out. Yeah, I mean <clears> – <throat> When the the shot that he got hit with as the bell rang was one of the nastiest shots you're going to see. He was completely defenseless, and like I said, I don't think he didn't think he was going to get hit anymore. Um, but it, I think he he should learn from that. You know, you need to be defensive and be defensive until until the bell rings. But um, 
I mean, he was in bad shape after after he think he took like three shots there at the end of that second round, and he was in bad shape. What do you think about moving forward for both of these guys? You know, Brunson, is, is it crazy that Brunson's fought so many top guys and's never had a title fight? You know, I think he, this kind of gives him a renewed push. I'm not saying he gets one right away, but it sounds like uh, that Dana was pivoting to do something else for uh, Robert Whitaker. You know how uh, Jack Hermanson had called out Robert Whitaker, and it sounds like they're going a different direction with Whitaker. So would you, would you think maybe Jack Hermanson and Derek Brunson maybe a, would be a good kind of placeholder fight? Yeah, I think Jack Hermanson or Darren Till. You yeah. Know, Darren Till's coming off of a loss, but he's still, you know, in the top top five. Um, and Hermanson, Hermanson and, and Till have kind of been going back and forth a little bit on social media, uh, jockeying for a fight with each other. Um, so that fight ended up, may end up getting made. But um, I think Whitaker, they've already announced it. I'm pretty sure Whitaker uh, is going to be fighting Cannon here. Um, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. It. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think Darren Till or or Jack Manson would be a, a great matchup. I can't think of who else is right there in that top five, but, you know, he, he definitely deserves one of those guys. I mean, that was a, a hell of a performance. You know, he, he weathered that first first round and, and showed his grit and his experience, you know, and showed that he's learned a thing or two since since he, you know, lost to Israel and that's his you know last time he lost was to Izzy he's rattled off four wins three or four wins now um and all against top guys so uh he you know he should get a good step up from here as for Shabazzian what do you what do you do with him do you uh you keep him up there against maybe a Kelvin Gastelum or something like that or do you you put him against somebody that's coming up behind him like a uh maybe a Marvin Vittori I to me I think Vittori may be like bad news uh for for a guy like Shabazzian yeah, I think both those guys would be bad news for Shabazian. Um <clears throat> just because, you know, he has to get a win now. Like, because of the amount of hype that he was riding, you can't really take a chance on him taking another loss. Uh, right now, he needs he needs to bounce back. So, um, I'm not sure. I would have to, to, to really look at the rankings, I guess, um, at middleweight and see who was, who was in the bottom half of that top 15. Um, but I, I, would, I would put him probably, you know, with 13, 14, somewhere around that area, but wisely choosing who that is, you know, like, again, I, I don't think that Marvin Vittori would be a great one. Um, and I don't, you know, but I also don't want, uh, Kelvin Gassum, I think is just has too many tools for him. I, I think Shabazzian's ground game has a, a long ways to go. And it could have been just that he mentally had checked out once he, you know, once his body gave out on him in the second round and maybe he just mentally checked out, but, um, I think once he gets down there, he's got, you know, he's going to have to start doing some work. He was very, um, very complacent when he was on his back. I mean, he, you know, he, he wasn't doing too much. And, um, so I, I, it'd be tough to see him with a wrestler, but maybe, you know, just some, a gritty striker, somebody that, that he can, you know, put a hurting on and, um, get his confidence back up. Co-main event. Man, this is one that uh, you kind of smelled coming. Uh, Jennifer Maya knocks off uh, Joanne Calderwood in the co-main event. Number six, Jennifer Maya with an arm bar uh, almost uh, almost at the end of the first round. 429 was the official time. Uh, she was touching Calderwood up, striking. Calderwood was able to get 
a takedown, uh, you know, to her credit, uh, you know, she wanted to get, she caught a kick, got her down to the ground, but then Maya started attacking uh, submissions, got the arm bar, and uh, tough uh, loss for Joanne Calderwood, who was knocking on the door, already had it pretty much, the UFC title fight against Valentina Shevchenko, uh, you know, who's to know why she needed to take this fight on short notice like she did, replacing Vivian Arjau, but, you know, maybe she needed the money, maybe she just wanted to stay busy, maybe she just wanted to be a company, a company girl, you know, helping out where she could, but uh, this one looks like it uh, it kind of backfired on her. And now it sounds like Jennifer Maya may be reaping uh, the benefits of it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't think that that, that was necessarily how it was going to happen. I mean, um, <clears throat> I thought I thought Jennifer Maya had a, an advantage on the ground, but I thought that on the feet, I thought that Jennifer Maya was probably going to try to keep it standing with Calderwood and get um, into a dirty, you know, dirty fall. Fight with her, and I think Calderwood's uh, Muay Thai was was going to be able to handle that, uh, but it, it wasn't even that way. I mean, Jennifer Maya's striking was better. She was winning the exchanges on the feet, uh, and then when when they went to the ground, you know, she got the armbar. Um, Calderwood almost almost slipped out, but Jennifer Maya repositioned and um, just cranked back on it. And it, you know, worst case scenario, man, that's kind of what I was talking about. You know, I was kicking myself in the ass. I, I knew she shouldn't have taken the fight, but I went with her anyway and <clears throat> lived to regret it. But I guess she passed out afterwards, um, so I don't know. I haven't heard too much about it. I just know that she got sick after the fight uh, and passed out. And I just heard, um, I guess, this weekend, one of the fights for this weekend got called off because John Wood is sick. And I, that's her fiance, I think. So um, I don't know if, if, if it's COVID-related or what, but. Um, I guess there was some issues after the fight with Calderwood too. You, which fight is it that's called off this weekend? Um, let me see if I can remember. I feel like it was a girl fight. Um, let's see here. I've got the card right here in front of me. Was it Kunitskaya Stolyarenko? No, uh, it's nothing. It's like I'm looking at the at the card now, but this was taken off. It's not on like. That fight's not oh, showing up. It was Miranda Granger and Cassim. Uh, that was a girls' fight that's canceled. Yeah, maybe in that one. It was a girls' fight that got canceled, and I think it was because John Wood um, ended up testing positive. Let's see, here it is. Uh, no, it was uh, Nico Montagna and Julia Avilia was oh, originally okay. scheduled for this event, but John Wood. But I think, isn't John Wood, uh, isn't that the coach at Syndicate? That, it, is, um, it is, and it's also Calderwood's. Uh, yeah, fiance. So, so he, John Wood was there this weekend with Calderwood, obviously, sure. and so that's why I say Calderwood, you know, fell ill after the fight. So maybe it, it was it was COVID related. I don't know. Oh wow, I never really, uh, or I never really thought of that as uh, as an angle. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, they pushed the bout back. The 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 one this weekend, Montoya and, and Avila, they pushed uh, it back to um to September fifth. Do you think Jennifer Maya is a credible challenger to Shevchenko? I don't think anybody's a credible challenge to Shevchenko, but I think Jennifer Maya um, poses some some challenges. Um, you know, I think if Shevchenko, the thing is, Shevchenko's striking is just on a completely different level than any of these girls. And <clears throat> you know, I think that if they get to the ground, if I would question um, if Shevchenko would be able to to hang with Maya there. Uh, but I think if she's on top, I mean, when we have seen her on top, she's pretty dominant. Um, and you know, we've seen her, we've never seen her get finished by submission. Um, so I don't know. I think that, um, I think it would be a pretty easy win, just like pretty much everybody else in the division right now. 
Uh, but I think she poses her own risks for sure. Feature bout. Uh, we saw this is one that we talked about last week. A lot of people were, were picking the underdog in this one. I just didn't see why, but it had me scared anyway. Uh, number 12, Vicente Luque with a second round TKO at 456. So only four seconds left to go in the second round. He gets Randy Brown out of there in a welterweight bout. Uh, I was on Luque and I, and my initial gut was, yeah, man, Luque just done way more than this guy you know randy obviously uh, posed some physical uh dimension issues that with his height and reach I, that i think a lot of people thought maybe would uh you know deter luke but man luke's just been in there with so much better beaten so much better tonight was no difference you think uh this was uh maybe one of those guys where luke gets a little more respect you know he's he's a guy that's uh, often overlooked yeah man luke's a monster you know he's a submission specialist but he's knocking everybody out um, his striking's crazy. He's training every day with Gilbert Burns down there, and you know those guys are are pushing each other pretty hard. You know, and Gilbert's right there at the top of that division, so um, Luke's headed that way too. Uh, you know, he had a big fight, you know, with Wonder Boy, and I think Wonder Boy is just such a weird style that it's kind of a one-off. You know, it's because you get beat by Wonder Boy doesn't mean that you can't beat everybody else in the division necessarily. You know, so uh, he took kind of a step back after that, but. Um, I see him get another pretty big fight uh, off of this one. Yeah, I think so too, man. Um, and then beginning the main card, we'll talk about some fights that were scrapped here in a moment, but there was only a four-fight main card and a four-fight prelim. But uh, my opinion, well, probably one of the best fights of the night was this one, uh, as we saw a rematch between Bobby Green and Lando Venata. Last time these guys fought, it went to a draw. And this time it was a unanimous decision win for Bobby Green, who I thought looked as good as he ever has. I mean, really, the best he's ever looked. was really good. Uh, entertaining fight. Both guys are kind of showmen, you know, but, uh, you know, he was able to, to drop Venata in the, in the third round and just really uh, he got all the rounds on all the cards and one judge gave him a 10-8. So uh, real real nice win for, for Bobby Green. You know, that's uh, he's a guy that's a, that kind of like Luke. He's kind of one of those underappreciated guys. Yeah, I agree. That was definitely the best Bobby Green we've seen. Um, you know, Lando's is, I don't know, man, he's just been hit or miss since he got here. Um He's got all the talent in the world. He just doesn't seem to ever pull it together. Um, Bobby Green, you know, has fought some of the top competition in this division earlier in his career. You know, his losses, if you look back at his losses, it's only to, you know, top guys. Um, and, and he's getting better every time, you know. And so this is twice we've seen him uh, during this pandemic. So uh, he's staying active now. It looks like he's got his head on his shoulders right. Um, you know, he's got with a, with a good, solid team now. Uh, that was kind of an issue that he that he dealt with there for a while. So, um, man, the sky's the limit for him. You know, if he keeps pushing and, and keeps his head down and keeps working hard, uh, he, you know, he can find himself in the top five. Yeah, absolutely. Before that, we had uh, about that was supposed to happen uh, between uh, Kevin Holland and Trevin Giles. Uh, Holland, one of the largest favorites on the card. And uh, Holland is out there in the cage. And next thing you know, right before Giles is supposed to walk, he faints. He straight passes out. That fight's off. Do you have any idea how infuriating it is when you have drafted Kevin Holland with, the, you know, one of the largest salaries that, that you can ask for on this week in fantasy uh, MMA, whether it be on FanDuel or DraftKings, and especially if you've got him in your captain slot? Can you imagine how infuriating it is to hear this news? 
I can because I was in that same situation. <laughs> Dude, like, I'm not, you can't even be mad at Holland. You know, like your initial uh, reaction is like, ah, fucking Kevin Holland. But no, it was, it was Trevor Giles. You know, and, and it's like you can't even make this shit up. Um, I will say I ended up cashing actually pretty well in most of my lineups with a zero from Kevin Holland. So it leaves me wondering what might have been. Uh, and I gotten my points out of this dude who I expected to win uh, with a finish, you know. Luckily for Kevin Holland, he did get a um, uh, quick turnaround. He's going to get to fight this weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to our uh, upcoming uh, preview of uh, this week's card. Um, let's get to the undercard. We had uh, the, the feature bout, Jonathan Martinez, uh, with a uh, third-round TKO, 57 seconds in over the veteran wrestler Frankie Signs. Uh, Martinez was four pounds overweight in this one. Um, didn't look too worse for wear uh, as he just really physically dominated Signs. Signs came out looking good early. Was able to get the takedown, but couldn't keep it, and then just started getting touched up. Finally got finished in the third round. Good win for Martinez. Bad look. Uh, missing weight. Uh, Nathan Manis and Johnny Munoz squared off in the next bout. Munoz, a very late replacement for Ray Borg, uh, who who was, I don't think, did we ever get any, did you ever hear why Ray Borg was pulled? Does he have COVID? I never heard that he had COVID. No, I never heard anything. Somebody asked Dana, I don't know if it was last night after the Contender Series or, or after this card, but he said he hadn't heard anything, so it's probably good news. So I don't know what that means, but um, I never heard a reason as to why he pulled out, though. Man, it's real. Ray Borg is a roller coaster, isn't he? I mean, it's always yeah. fun, dude. You know, I'll say, you know, he was supposed to fight. Was he supposed to fight like Marab Davishvili, and, and he pulled out like two days before with a potential issue back at home, and that probably worked out good for him. But I thought he was in a real good spot here against Nathan Manis. Nathan Manis ends up getting the win, unanimous decision uh, over Johnny Munoz, who stepped in on you know very short notice. Uh, Jamal Emmers with a unanimous decision win, all three rounds, pretty damn dominant over Vince Cachero. Vince Cachero, also a late replacement uh, for Teamer Valiev. And, um, you know, uh, Emmers, I thought he was going to get him out of there, honestly. I mean, he lit him up with a lot of big, heavy blows. And credit to Cachero for, you know, stepping up a weight class, was dwarfed in size, and really uh, just ate a beating and kept on coming forward. And then, of course, uh, the opening bout, we saw a uh, former. VFC Bantamweight Pro Champion Cody Durden go to a unanimous draw with Chris Gutierrez on six days notice. Fought the first round uh, perfectly. I mean, he fought the first round just how you needed to fight to beat Chris Gutierrez. Started to run out of gas in the, third, in the second and third rounds. Just didn't have uh, the takedowns in him to, to get him down. And so he lost those rounds, I think, fairly clearly. However, he was so dominant taking the back of Chris Gutierrez for the lion's share of round one, but he got a 10-8 on all the scorecards and got out of there with a draw. So I think that uh, has to be considered a success, uh, honestly, just uh, given the circumstances. Your thoughts on the undercard? How did you score that fight? I mean, I I had it 2-1 to one Gutierrez. I probably wouldn't have given Cody a 10-8 in the first, but I can see why they did because it was very, you know, you've got the train of thought that, well, you know, he was never really close to finishing him. And generally that's, uh, you know, what those be like, well, was he should the fight have been near stop? Was it that bad a beating? It wasn't really like that, but he really did dominate a position. And, and Gutierrez just kind of like, it almost like, had just given it up. Like he just wasn't even trying to escape. He was just like resigning to the fact that he was going to lose that round. It'll start over in the second round. So maybe judges didn't like that look. Yeah. I, I scored the first round of 10, eight and I, I was 
didn't think that all the judges would. I mean, because he didn't do much damage, but that's, you know, he was completely in control for four and a half minutes. I mean, that, that was, he wasn't ever doing any damage. He wasn't close to stopping the fight, but he was in complete control. Was, you know, Gutierrez did nothing. And so, you know, I, I think that's, that is complete grounds for a 10 8. You know, so I, I thought that was uh, a good call. I thought the second and third round, Cody looked terrible. Um, you know, the takedowns were, were lazy. There was no way that he was going to complete any of them. Um, he's got to get his cardio up. And, you know, I, I don't even know how he got so tired, really. You know, he didn't have to work too hard to get the back in the first round, and then he just sat there. So it wasn't like he was putting out a whole lot of, uh, you know, a ton of output. I, I don't really know. Um, maybe just the nerves and, and the hype and, you know, taking it on a couple of days' notice or whatever. Um, but I kind of expected a little more, uh, a little more push out of him. Um, but I don't know. I that think would, you know, would definitely, you know, I guess he signed a, a three fight deal. So, um, he, he won't get cut off of that. Uh, so we'll see him again. Uh, Jamal Emmers looked fucking great, man. Um, you know, and Vince Cachero was just, uh, tons of heart just to stay in there, uh, during that fight. I think, um, the Munoz and Manus fight, <clears throat> man, I, I could have seen Munoz winning that fight. You know, he, he had a point taken away from him um, for for low blows. Uh, I think at, at one point they said on the broadcast, but I think there was more nut shots than there were fights yes. on this card. Um, so, and one of the fights was a female fight, so there weren't in, no nuts to kick. So, right. uh, I think there was thirteen. Pretty what? Thirteen? I think I think I heard thirteen. Jesus. So. Let's see. At 13, one, you're one away from having a nut shot per fighter. Yeah. You know, yeah. Per, per male fighter on the card. That's insane. Um, Frankie Sons and Jonathan Martinez, man, uh, you know, I, I thought the experience of Sons is going to be beneficial in this fight. I thought, you know, being Martinez's first UFC fight, um, that might be some pressure on him. But, you know, with these, we talk about these guys missing weight all the time. And, um, you know, is it, you know, how does that play out in the fight? You know, we, we saw at one time where it was overwhelmingly they were winning fights, and then for a little while they were losing more than they were winning. But this is the type of of, of miss that just kind of shows you. He basically said, you know what, I'll just I'd rather take the win than than the thirty percent. I'm not going to cut the rest of this weight. I'm not going to not going to do the work. Uh, and then tomorrow I'm going to be a lot better shaped than than my opponent because my opponent is is putting in the effort and doing what he was contractually obligated to do. 40 um, years old. His, that? Op- his opponent's also 40 years old and a wrestler. So, yeah. you know, you yeah. figure if you don't have to, if you can keep your body as fresh as possible, the older man that had to put himself through it now has to like try to take you down and you're going to have a lot more juice in you to, to resist. Yeah. And I think that in the fight, I think that Martinez looked really good, but I, I don't think that his, uh, I, I, don't, I think that him missing weight like that just, just left a sour taste in my mouth. I mean, I don't think the kid even tried. And, uh, you know, I think I think you could you could definitely tell that in the fight. I would have much rather him, you know, it, had he put forth the effort and just had a little bit of a tougher fight, you know, then he would have been getting a lot more respect, I think, at least from me today. But, um, you know, he looked good in there, but uh, I think he just didn't do the work, and, and it showed. Absolutely, man. Um, of course, we lost uh, two fights on that card. Marcus Perez, Eric Spicely, scratch was uh, Spicely. Um, 
Uh, Spicer was like way like way overweight. Is that what it was with him? Yeah, he uh, he said that after his fight with Deron Wynn, they started taking antidepressants, and that this is his first weight cut on the antidepressants. And uh, I mean, that can play a factor. There are a lot of antidepressants that cause you know a lot of weight gain, but you know I, I don't I don't really find that um, much of an excuse just because. You know, he, he's been on it for a while. He had a fight since the Deron Wynn fight, um, I feel like. So, I, I don't know. But, yeah, that, that's what he said was that um, due to his antidepressants, he was not able to make weight. And uh, then I, I, I don't know if he got sick or if they just didn't want to do the fight. I don't know exactly how that worked out, but um, but they canceled it for that reason. And then, of course, but I was looking forward to uh, Gerald Mearshart, GM3, test positive for covid Hours before the show, and uh, his fight with Ed Herman is is called off. Man, uh, that was one that I was looking forward to, and one that kind of like makes me wonder, like, okay, so yeah, so if he tested positive hours before the show, was that a test that they were waiting to get results from from how long ago? Uh, or is it uh, something where they had one of these on-site uh, tests that give you a uh, quick reading and have high, uh, high uh, false positive rates? You know? Yeah, I don't know, man. You know, it's, it kind of scares me just because they've been pushing through all this stuff, and with John Wood being testing positive now, if that was a factor in in just uh, if, if if it comes back in Jennifer Myers, that's positive now. Like it, this could turn into a shit show. Um, I hope it doesn't. But you know they called Ed Herman um, when the uh, Holland fight when Giles fell out, and they were gonna see if Ed Herman wanted to step in and fight him later in in the card. I guess mm-hmm. move him up, probably move him up to the feature bout. Yeah, but I guess uh, I guess Ed Herman was pissed off and already at the airport half drunk when uh-huh. they called him. So. I can, he couldn't make it back, but that would have been a nice, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it for uh, this last week's show. Let's move on to this week's action here. Uh, we've got a couple cards to go over. Of course, the first one will be uh, Friday night on the Zone and Paramount Network. Bellator 243, uh, their uh, their second show from uh, uh, Bellator's Fight Island, if you will, the uh, the Mohegan Sun uh, Resort and Casino uh, in Connecticut. And this is a pretty damn good card. Uh, you know, this is this is pretty good, man. You know, uh, just kind of a, a quick uh, you know run through of this on the just the main card is all. Well, I'll say this: the undercard is this is such a good Bellator card that they've got Adam Boritz and uh, Derek Campos on the on the prelims, which is pretty damn good fight, you know, uh, plus a couple other names like Valerie, uh, Valerie Lareda, uh, on that undercard as well. And AJ Algazarm, I believe uh, also, uh, main card, man, it's littered with a bunch of, uh, UFC names. Honestly, we've got, uh, uh, leading off the main card, it's Miles Jury taking on uh, Georgie Karahanian. We got Curtis Millinder uh, taking on Sabah Hamasi, Matt Mitrione uh, in a heavyweight uh, bout versus Tim Johnson, and then uh, the main event, Michael Chandler and Ben Henderson. And uh, you know, you seeing uh, any of these fights that looks like uh, must see TV to you? Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, 
all four of them, you know, the the worst fight of them all, I think, is Mitrione and Tim Johnson. Tim Johnson is just super old, and Mitrione's, you know, never was that great. Um, I feel like Mitrione should be able to get a, a good finish in that fight. Uh, and either either way, that fight's not going to the decision, so it should be fun to watch. Um, <clears throat> Curtis Millinder's a, a pretty big favorite uh, against yeah. Hamasi, but Hamasi's not a bitch, man. You know, that, that could end up being a tough fight. Um then another another one I think that the odds may be a little skewed on um, is Miles and Georgie. I think Georgie's going to put up uh, you know a tough tough fight for Miles. Miles is a, is a super talented kid, and you know we saw him on the Ultimate Fighter, and he's you know continued to grow since then. I think his main problem with the UFC was a financial issue. Uh, you know it wasn't it wasn't the fact that he couldn't compete there. Um, so. Uh, I think that'll be a good fight. And, you know, another fight with Ben Henderson and Michael Chandler. I mean, Ben Henderson, I, th- I think both these guys are, are, you know, top five in the world uh, at lightweight. Um, you know, they, they happen to not be in the UFC, but I think they're still in. The, I mean, man, if you throw those two in, in that division in the UFC, just think about, you know, we talk about how stacked that division is. Right? Think about your top, uh, Benson Henderson and Michael Chandler, too, you know. Like oh, yeah. your top six or seven could have, would be interchangeable at any time. So um, I think, you know, Michael Chandler is a big favorite in that fight, but uh, I, I think it'll be a much closer fight than the odds reflect. I think all, all those really, I think I think the odds on all those will be a lot closer than they reflect, except for the Mitrione and Tim Johnson fight. I think it's it, the odds on that are much closer than they should be. You think that uh, Tim Johnson's probably getting a lot of recency bias with that win over Tyrell Fortune? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but but Tyrell Fortune's not Matt Mitrione, you know. Like, no, 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 you're right. <clears throat> Tyrell Fortune's a, an, an elite wrestler um, who doesn't really have a lot of striking experience. Definitely not a lot of experience taking big shots from big men. Um, but Matt Mitrione's been hit by everybody. If he's anything, he's tough. Um, and, you know, I, I think that he's definitely a better striker than Tim Johnson, more athletic. Um, they're going to be about the same size. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely just because, you know, Tim Johnson just stopped one of their up-and-comers. Um, but, you know, the way that he stopped him is kind of that, – that's how you saw that fight ending if Tim Johnson was going to win, you know. So um, it wasn't too too surprising, I don't think. And that movie brings us on to our uh, UFC card this weekend. It is uh, UFC Vegas 6, and it'll be uh, Saturday night on ESPN+. Plus. Prelims kicking off at 6 o'clock, main card at 9. Main card, uh, you know, this is one of these cards where I, I, I'm i excited for it because we I, I know, you know, Scott Holtzman on here, but I don't know that it's got a whole lot of fights that are going to really make a lot of difference in the ranking. We'll go. We'll get on into it here. The main event is heavyweights. They are top ten heavyweights. Uh, Derek Lewis, number four, the Black Beast, taking on Alexi Olenek, number ten. Two very different styles here. Uh, you know, I obviously Lewis is going to be looking for that big knockout. Olenek going to be looking to grind. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I would imagine that Derek will be dangerous the whole time, uh, you know, with his, with his power. But uh, if Olenek has his way, this may not be that entertaining a fight. Yeah, I'm riding Olenek, man. He's a decent-sized dog, um, and I think he's got a chin. 
I mean, you know, if Derek hits him a couple of times, it really doesn't matter how good your chin is. But um, <clears throat> I think Olenek, you know, I think his striking has developed enough to be able to get in close and, and get a hold of Derek Lewis. And I think, you know, I think he'll make Derek Lewis's bitch on the ground. I don't, I don't think Derek Lewis is going to be able to, to offer up much defense. Um, and and I see an Olenek submission maybe early in this fight. Co-main event. Um you know, this is an interesting one here. Odd near even. A slight uh, favorite is Chris Weidman as he makes his return, trying to get off the slide here, you know, trying to turn things back around. He'll have uh, number 11, Omari Akhmedov, uh, across from him in this middleweight fight. Uh, I think a lot of people are jumping off. I think Akhmedov is like the sexy pick here. I think a lot of people are jumping off the Weidman train. Yeah, man, this is crazy, a crazy matchup for Weidman. I don't know why they would match him up like this. Akhmedov's coming off of, you know, three wins. He's won five of his last six, you know, with the only the only one not being was a draw with uh, Marvin Vittori. <clears throat> He's a tough dude, man. You know, one of those Dagestani wrestlers. Um, you got a lot of unanimous decisions. You know, he's going to be trying to ride out that. And Wyman is a great wrestler. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know how the two styles are going to match up, you know, with American wrestling and then that Dagestani style, but um, it's not not good for Wadman, man. You know, he's lost five of his last six, um, two straight by knockout, and um, all five of those, you know, he's gotten knocked out. So um, he's got one win since 2015. Um, you know, I don't know. I think that I feel like the, the more, um, the better all-around fighter is Wadman. I feel like, you know, the submission skills of Weidman are are um, are, are probably going to be his best route to victory in this fight. Um, if he can lock in, you know, a, a nice star choke, um, I think he can get a win that way. But it's a tough match for him, man. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to end up doing um, on Saturday as far as this fight goes. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a really weird one to me. I uh, I, I agree with you. I'm I'm just not sure yet. I'll watch the weigh in and see if. You know, anything changes. Uh, Cole, yeah. or the, the feature bout, middleweights again. Uh, we've got Darren Stewart taking on Maki Patolo. Uh, Patolo, he's uh, he's a banger, man, you know, and and Stewart typically is in action fights too. This is kind of one of those sleeper fights for uh, fight of the night. Yeah, this is kind of a weird one. I, I'm not really sure. Do you know how uh, Darren Stewart – like so, his last fight was in Cage Warriors, but it was on a UFC contract. But he was in the UFC, you know, in 2015 or something. 2006. Right. He got to the UFC in 2016. So how did that? They were over there in England, and the COVID thing happened, and they they kept oh. Cage Warriors card, and the UFC paid for it. Okay, I got you. So that was his last fight. Um, you know, he lost over there. Uh, Mark Patolo coming off of a, a, a nice win over Charles Bird. Um, you know, he just ground and pound the shit out of him. Um, so both guys have uh, a win over the same opponent, same method, same round, uh, almost down to the minute. Um, so, you know, I think this would be a tough fight. I like Maki Patola in this one. Um, I kind of put him off, but... In his last fight, he just he looked super impressive, and I, I, I think he's going to be be able to 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 get it done here. Also on the main card, 
We have uh, female fight, a uh, late replacement here as uh, uh, Julia Stoyarenko uh, takes on number eight ranked Yana Kunitskaya uh, in a women's bantamweight bout. Uh, I don't. These are both a couple grapplers. I, you know, I think Kunitskaya is kind of the one they're they're wanting to build. You know, good looking girls. Stoyarenko we've seen on uh, Tough, from what I recall, uh, Invicta level fighter. I guess you would say. What do you think? Yeah, she. Um Julia's last fight was against Lisa uh, Versozzi, who, um, I don't know if you remember, she, she fought um, Shanna on the Contender Series. Lisa oh, did. Okay. Uh, so this girl's coming off of a win over uh, Vers- uh, her last Lisa Versozzi, that wasn't her last name when she fought uh, Shanna, but she's gotten married since then. But anyway, um, I'm not sure, man. Yana Kinskaya, that she's uh, dating Tiago Santos, I think. So I think just for that reason, I'm going to have to go with her. Her last fight, she's coming off of a loss to Aspen Ladd. Um, you know, she was brought into the UFC uh, from Invicta to fight Cyborg. So she, she came up in weight, and it was when Cyborg just didn't have any opponents, you know, and they were just bringing over whoever they could. So she came up and fought Cyborg. So, you know, she's, she's fought some of the best in the world. You know, she's been around for a long time, a um, few fights with Tanya Evinger. Um, and so uh, I, I'm leaning towards... Uh, Kunitskaya, but, um, you know, Julia's on a run. Um, so she, the, the Julia girl, I looked at this earlier. She's got eight wins, I think. Let's see. No, she's got nine wins, eight of them by submission, all arm bars. Wow. So other than one decision, she's arm barred everybody she's fought. Everybody that she's beat. I recall that being her specialty now that you mention it when I saw her on Tough. Yeah. Um, Opening bout this is the one we'll be uh, tuned into. Uh, lightweight action as uh, number 14, Baniel Darush, takes on Knoxville's own Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman. Uh, you know, Holtzman's uh, been, been trying to crack that top 15 for a while now. This is his first opportunity. Fight a guy with a number next to his name. This won't be easy, man. Darush is, Darush is really good. I think that Holtzman will have an advantage in, like, the quickness department and athleticism, but he really needs to keep this fight standing, I think. You know, Darush has lost four times, and all four times that he lost, he got finished, and three of those four times were by knockout. So the button can be hit, uh, you know, and you know Scott's going to be throwing heavy leather, but uh, he's got to be careful here. Darush will be dangerous the whole time. Last time out, he had a, he had a big knockout win, you remember. Yeah, Darius is, you know, his last fight, you know, was a knockout, but he's a submission specialist. I mean, sure. you know, I don't think I don't think it's a great fight for Scott to go ahead and try to wrestle. Um, uh, it, it, you know, Darius will be happy to, to get, go and get in the firefight. You know, it's, when he does get knocked out, it's kind of what it is, is he gets in these firefights. And, but, man, Darius, it's hard to. Um, so it, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a war. I hope that it stays standing. I hope that we get to see a, just a – just a banger through that fight. I'm looking forward to it. Prelims. I'll run through these quickly. There's six of them. Uh, actually, there's seven now. As uh, we get Kevin Holland now on uh, getting a turnaround after his fight got canceled last weekend, taking on Joaquin Buckley, who's also on a quick turnaround. He fought and won on LFA just I think oh, two weeks ago, maybe week and a half. Um, the Dirty Bird, Tim Means, takes on the Argentinian fighter, Laureano Staropoli. That's one where I'm a little bit tempted to take. I don't typically bet Tim Means, but Staropoli is a kind of heavy favorite here, and I don't know if I'm sold yet that he's on the level. We'll see. Nasrat Hakparos, that's another fun fighter. He'll be taking on a late replacement fighter, Alex Munoz, making his UFC debut out of Alpha Male. Undefeated, I think, 
Andrew Sanchez taking on Wellington Terman. That's an interesting fight at middleweight. I heard that Andrew Sanchez got stuck in Canada with this whole COVID thing, couldn't come back, couldn't cross the border, so he did his whole camp at TriStar. So, you know, maybe that'll be uh, something that makes a difference here. Gavin Tucker uh, takes on uh, the returning Justin Janes. If you recall, Justin Janes took a fight against Frank Camacho on about a day's notice and knocked him the fuck out about a month ago. Uh, and then uh, Yusef Zalal takes on Peter Barrett at featherweight, and Erwin Rivera uh, takes on Ali al at bantamweight. Of course, uh, that all goes down this Saturday night. On uh, ESPN Plus, we'll uh, get back together next week to recap those fights as well as the Bellator fights and look ahead, of course, at the next week's action. Uh, hopefully, next week, I guess we start getting some interviews rocking for you guys um, for uh, these Valor cards coming up. Uh, Justin, you got anything else? Any other news of uh, note before we uh, wrap this thing up with a bow? I think we covered it all. Awesome, man. Well, uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Valor Hour. Make sure you uh, 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 subscribe and share uh, on all of your podcast platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, you know, iTunes, all that good shit. Uh, until next week, uh, I'm Tim Lloyd signing off for, uh, for my co-host as well, Justin Watson. We'll catch you all next week. Valor Hour, we're out. This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Once again, if I think of one place to be clean, I'm going in the basketball bubble. If I think about one group of players to act a fool and run the streets, I go find me a bunch of 20-something-year-old football players. Been there, okay? I know what that looks like. Football's not the same equation as baseball. If one team gets hit, okay, like a couple teams have already in Major League Baseball, You know, there's a couple teams that have to play more baseball games than there are days, all right? If one other team misses some games, they're not going to be able to finish the season. If if a team misses two weeks in football, all right, that's the equivalent of missing 25 baseball games, okay? There's no doubleheaders in football. You can't play two games in one week, although it's done. You can't make up football games in the middle of the season. So if you ask me, do I think it's going to work? No, absolutely not. Talk to the people that are in it and involved with it and tell me if you think they're, uh, they think it's going to work. OBJ came out and said, listen, these people don't care about us. They don't. They care about their money. And listen, I've said this before, too. If I was a young player and, you know, my well-being had to, had to do with playing and making money, I'd be out there playing. I'm, I'm not lying to you. But I'm talking about somebody who's older and thinks differently and looks at the situation And I just know better, okay? I know better. And I don't think anybody's confident that this is going to happen. I really don't. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.